What is your plan for when your marriage catches on fire? What is your plan for when your child comes back to the Lord? How is life going to be different when you get healed of that disease and you don't have to take those pills anymore? What's your plan with all the money you're going to save when you don't have to buy all that prescription stuff? Have a plan to win. Welcome to Living Word, growing a family that experiences every promise of God. You're listening to another life-changing word from Pastor Jason Anderson. For more information, visit our website at livingwordonline.com. God, I thank you and praise you for this time. Open up our hearts to receive your word. Your word is bread. It's practical. It's manna. It's part of our life. It's daily. It becomes part of who we are. I pray, Father, also that your word is seed in our hearts, that it takes root in the good, deep soil, and it changes us and grows us. Father God, I thank you that your spirit is here teaching us. Be our teacher, Holy Spirit. Prepare us for what is coming in our lives. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Amen. Well, today we're going to start off in Exodus in chapter 3. Moses has stumbled upon a burning bush. It's a pivotal moment in his life. He's 80 years old, and this burning bush is going to give him an assignment. This is the Lord visiting Moses, and we're going to start in verse 10. Get out your Bibles or your phones or however you do it. And I'm reading, come now, this is God talking, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses, say, but Moses, Moses. Uh uh-oh, there's a but in there. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? Verse 12, so the Lord said, I will be with you. Nothing is too hard, no responsibility, no assignment, no destiny is too difficult because God is with us. The Lord's answer to your difficulty, I will be with you. And this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. Say sign. It's the Hebrew word oath, and it means banner or beacon, a mark. This shall be the mark, the banner, the beacon to you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Now, Moses is going to give them a whole litany of excuses of why he is the wrong guy for the job. God's chosen him, but Moses says, I can't do it. I can't talk. You got the wrong person. Who am I? Moses is looking at an insurmountable problem. You want me to get the entire nation of Israel out of Egypt, out of slavery. I can't do that. But God doesn't look at the problem. And so we're going to look at how God sees things today. I want to teach you about imitating God in the manner in which he sets up goals, destinies, and how he plans. Because he does it differently than we do. While Moses is busy looking at the problem, which is what we do, we look at what's in the, the, the mountains, too big. The fire's too hot. The storm's too heavy. I can never get out of debt. How am I going to ever do that? How am I going to defeat the giant? I don't know about this diagnosis. is too big. I want the promotion, but I don't know if I'll get it. There's too many people that want it. There's too many people in front of me. I'll probably get overlooked again. Boy, I'd like to see my relationship with my brother restored, but I don't know if it'll ever happen. It's too big. I'd love to have that fiery romance in my marriage, but I don't know. These are things and promises, victories that God has in mind for us. And we're so busy looking at the giant. 
But notice that God didn't look at the giant. God didn't look at the problem of them being in Egypt. He, he painted a picture ahead. He said, Moses, this will be the sign. You're going to come back to this mountain and you're going to serve me. He sets up a kind of a circle. You're going to leave here. You're going to go get the people of Israel. You're going to bring them back here and you're going to serve me on this mountain. God had a plan to win. He had a plan for after they would be rescued out of Egypt. He wasn't looking at, oh, how am I going to get them out of Egypt? He was saying, here's the plan after you win. And we can imitate God in this same manner to have a plan for after you. Listen, at Moses, after you win, I want you to come back here and serve me on this mountain. My, my son Christian, he, he's 24 years old now, and him and his wife Kenzie, and they, 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 I came home one day to my garage, and there was a coffee table and a dresser in my garage. And I, I said to Christian, oh, what is this? He said, oh, I bought a coffee table and a dresser for my house. Now, <clears throat> he doesn't have a house. So, so, but he's on a way, to, he, he, but they found a house. This is in December, this all happened. They found a house in the beginning of December that they really wanted. It was way undervalued uh, for a new build. And there were so many people buying up these houses, they had sold out. And so when Christian and Kenzie said, we'd like this house, they, they almost laughed at them and said, well, the best we can, this is sold out, but the best we can do is put you on a waiting list. So I said to Christian, oh my God, this is December. I said, oh my gosh, you got a coffee. Did you get, you got the house. They called you. And he goes, no. <laughs> so now keep in mind too that they moved from Seattle, but they still own a condo in Seattle. It hasn't sold yet. As of December, nothing had happened. Nothing had changed. So I said to him, oh, your condo sold. That's why you bought this stuff. He goes, no. So you don't have a sold condo. You still don't have a house, but you bought. See, he knows this principle. This principle was he was planning for after the victory. I have a plan. And every time he comes into that garage and sees that furniture, he knows that's the beacon. That's the sign. That's where I'm headed. I know that my condo will sell. I know that I'm going to get a house that God has for me. And this is the furniture I'm going to put in it when I get there. Do you see that? Well, wouldn't you know it, that come January, they called and said, you know what? You got the house. The waiting list that he was on, it was a miracle. He got the house. And then wouldn't you know it, just a few weeks ago, that condo, they got an offer on it. They accepted the offer. Sale is pending. Come on and give the Lord some praise right now. When we plan for after the victory. And I see God doing this for, constantly in the Bible. He says, all right. Joshua, you're going to go into Jericho. The walls are going to fall down. Then after the walls fall down, here's the plan after the victory. Go in and take the city. And then there's a plan after that. And he says, and after you take the city, I want you to gather up all the valuables and give them into my tabernacle. And this is all going to be donated, de dedicated to the Lord. So what is God doing? He's saying, I have a plan for after the victory. And so often we're looking at the giant, but God says, I want you to look through the giant. I want you to go past the giant and have a plan for after you beat the giant. He said, he's saying, don't look at the mountain. Go through the mountain. Look past the mountain. Look past the problem. When that promotion comes to you, what, was your, what is your plan for when you get the promotion? What is your plan for when your marriage catches on fire? What is your plan for when your child comes back to the Lord? How is life going to be different when you get healed of that disease and you don't have to take those pills anymore? What's your plan with all the money you're going to save when you don't have to buy all that prescription stuff? Have a plan 
to win. Let's imitate God in this same way. When we first moved into this building, my, uh, we, 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 uh, it was Father's Day of 2000, and uh, we thought, well, we'll just have everybody in one service. There would be plenty of room based on the, the size of church we were at that time for one service to everybody to fit in. We'd still have space left over. And we walked in, and then that first Sunday, but then too many people showed up. And there was not only a full sanctuary, but there was no place for many people to sit. And my dad got up, and you would think that anybody else might get up and say, I don't, we're going to have to plan and figure things out next week to figure out where to put you all. We're going to have to come up with something to do. But not my dad. My, my dad, Dr. Tom Anderson, walks up, and as he's, he's, he sees all that. He says, listen, I have a plan. Next week, we're going to do a 930 service, and a, 10, a 915, and a 1045 service. That's the plan. I said to him afterwards, I said, how did you rattle that off so quick? He said, because I planned to be too full today. I planned that we would have too many people. And so I had a plan for after the victory. When my mom was diagnosed with incurable rheumatoid arthritis, and I was still living at home at the time, and she couldn't walk. She couldn't even get out of bed. And so she would work out in the pool because it's the only place that she could kind of imitate what it would feel like when she could walk. She would get in the pool and do different exercises and stuff. My dad would carry her into the pool and carry her out of the pool. But my mom would say, I'm planning to go skiing. And I thought to myself, how funny a thing for my mom to plan to go skiing. She doesn't ski. She had never skied before in her entire life. I said, Mom, what are you talking about? You don't ski. She goes, I know I don't ski. But when God heals me of this, I'm going to go on a ski trip. And you guys are going to teach me how to ski. She had a plan not just to be healed, but what was going to happen after she got healed. Do you see the difference? She had already worked it out in her mind. Well, wouldn't you know it, one day she walked into the office completely healed of rheumatoid arthritis. The doctor said, you don't have rheumatoid arthritis anymore. I don't ever want to see you again. And then we taught my mom how to ski. She's an avid skier now. What does she do? She had a plan. And God, God had Moses come back to that mountain. And he served God 80 days. Two times he would walk up the mountain for 40 days at a time and serve God that covenant of the law and bring down those commandments. In the same way, God makes these marks ahead of us beyond the battle so that when we get there, we look back at that time and we say, surely God sent me here. So maybe... You don't have a lot of money right now. Maybe you're living paycheck to paycheck. You hear me and Pastor Scott and Dr. Tom Marine telling you God's blessed, windows of heaven are open up, that God's going to remove the debt. And you look at that mountain of debt, how will that ever be removed? Those medical debts, how is that ever going to go away? Boy, that would be a miracle. Instead, stop looking at the problem. Go get an investing book for when you have money. And I'm not kidding you now. Go and get a plan on how to invest in real estate or what you're, you need a plan and start to educate your mind right now. Maybe you don't have the money to invest, but plan because when it comes, you need to know what's going to happen. You plan right now for when those windows of heaven are opened up and suddenly the debt disappears and you've got more than you can contain. Somebody give the Lord some praise right now. And maybe, maybe you've always had like, a dream of, of hiking, but your back pain and your legs don't work right, and maybe your ankles, some kind of pain keeps you from going on hikes. Go to the store and buy yourself some hiking boots. 
Put them in a prevalent spot somewhere. Make plans that I'm going to go hiking. And every time you see those hiking boots, I want you to look at those hiking boots and say, Father, I thank you that you're strengthening my back. I thank you that my legs are strong. My ankles are strong. I thank you that I can walk around pain-free. I thank you, Father, that I'm going hiking one day wearing these boots. Come on, somebody. What are we doing? We're making a plan to have a victory in our life. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, David comes upon uh, the, the field where the great battle between the Israelites and the Philistines are happening. And this great giant, about seven to ten feet tall, would come down every single day, and he would challenge the entire Israel army, send your biggest, baddest hero to fight me, right? This is Goliath doing this. Well, David is not even old enough to be in the army. He comes by with some sandwiches for the king and for his brothers, and he hears this, this Philistine giant taunting the Israelites. And so this is what David says. He says, David spoke to the men who stood by him, saying, What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? So I want you to pay attention to how a winner thinks. Right? Somebody victorious thinks. David's victorious. How does he think? He wasn't thinking, hey, hey guys, how do I kill that guy? No, no, that's not what he said. He said, what's going to happen after I kill him? I want a plan for after the giant falls. And they said to him, well, you're not going to pay taxes. You probably get to marry the hot daughter of the king. Like a lot of cool stuff's going to happen. And David's like, all right, I'm in. He wasn't looking at the giant. He was looking past the giant. And when he approaches the giant, and the giant says some mean stuff to him about him being short, David says this. Don't laugh at that. That's not funny. Short jokes are not funny. (laughs) David says this. He goes, I'm going to knock you down. I'm paraphrasing. This is Hebrew translation. I'm going to knock you down. Then after you're down, I'm going to cut off your head. And so he had a plan. This is how it's going to happen. I'm going to knock you down. He wasn't guessing. He knew exactly how it was going to go down. I'm going to knock you down. I'm going to cut off your head. And then after I cut off your head, he even had a plan beyond that. He said, after that, the beasts of the uh, field and the birds of the air will feast upon the Philistine army. See, he was saying, not only are you going down, Goliath, but your entire army is going to go down today. He was seeing it already done. He looked past the giant all the way to the entire victory for the nation of Israel. Because why? Because he knew his God was God. He knew his God was with him. Remember, no assignment or responsibility is too big when you know that your God is with you. But what was David's job? To plan ahead. To have what was going to happen after. Not just looking at the giant, but through the giant. After he cuts off his head, David, the Bible says that he carried that head all the way to Jerusalem. It was a long journey to Jerusalem, carrying a big old huge head. And you think, why did he do this? You know, Jerusalem in those days was not Israel territory. It was actually enemy territory. The Jebusites were held up in Jerusalem. In fact, the Israelites had never owned Jerusalem. Joshua didn't take it. Gideon didn't take it. Nobody took it. Jerusalem was always held by a foreign nation. And here's David, this young guy who's been anointed to be king, who just had this great victory, walks with a head, carrying this big old noggin with him all the way to Jerusalem. What was he up to? I don't know what he did with the head. Maybe he rolled it like a bowling ball up to the gate. I don't know. The the Hebrew legend is, is that he stuck it on a spear, the head on a spear, and he faced it on a hill towards Jerusalem. 
And the legend goes on to say that they named that hill the Hill of the Skull, Golgotha, which is the same place where Jesus would be crucified. That's the legend. I don't know for sure what he did. The Bible doesn't say. But what we do know is that David's first act as king, when he became king many years later, was to take that city, Jerusalem. And I believe that he, when he walked all the way there with that head, he was walking there to Jerusalem to look at those Jebusites. He knew that would be the city of God. He, would, he knew that's where the temple would be built. And he looked at that Jerusalem and he said, you're next. See this? See what God just did for me? You're next. He already, listen, he already had a plan. Even though he wasn't king, he already had a plan for where he was going next. And that head of Goliath became a beacon and a sign of where he was headed. Come on and give the Lord some praise. Proverbs chapter 21 and verse 5 says it like this. The plans of the diligent lead surely to plenty. If you have lack operating in your life, it's possible that what you need is a plan. That plan would become what? It would become a leader in his life. It would lead him. It would lead us. How does a plan? So the Holy Spirit leads us, not a plan. But it becomes a mark that Moses, when he went into Egypt, and then he turned as he got the Israelites out, and he headed across that sea, he knew where to go next. Even when he was facing the insurmountable odds of trying to get the Israelites out of Egypt, he knew what was next. It was leading him. In the same way, when you have a plan ahead beyond the battle, it becomes a leader to you. What's it going to be like for you when that addiction falls off? What's life going to look like for you when you no longer have to battle diabetes? What's life going to look like for you when your relationships come back together and your family comes back together? What's life going to look for you? Look like for you? What's your plan for when your child comes back from serving in the world and comes running back to God? Do you have a plan for what you're going to do then? Come on and give the Lord some praise. That's really good right now. I know a, a man that, that uh, many years ago, 20 years ago, he played the guitar in our worship team, and uh, he had a stroke. I remember getting the phone call at the church, and I ran up to the hospital to pray with him. I was just a young pastor, and, and there he was sitting up in bed, and he had lost the function of an entire side of his body. His face was drooping on one side. His, his hand wouldn't move. His leg wouldn't move. Strokes can do that sometimes. And, and so he said to me as I prayed for him, he said, let uh, the worship leader know to schedule me for six months from now to play the guitar. He was such a great man of faith. He wanted to be on the schedule even though the doctor said, you'll certainly never be able to play the guitar again. You won't be able to move this side of your body. He decided that he wanted to be on the schedule. He wanted a plan for what was going to happen after he was healed. And wouldn't you know it, six months later, he stood on the stage at Living Word Bible Church and he worshiped God playing the guitar, completely healed. He had a plan, and many times we plan to lose. We look at the circumstances and we create a plan to lose. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't have a safety net. I'm not saying that you shouldn't prepare in life. But what I'm saying is, is, like, I was talking to a lady and she said, you know, I was diagnosed with ADD when I was very young, and... I have a son now, and he's five years old, and as he goes into kindergarten, I'm certain that he'll probably have ADD too, so I'm worried about his education. Would you pray? And as I explained this principle to her about planning to win. Don't plan to lose. Plan that he doesn't have ADD. Don't plan for him to have ADD. 
Plan for yourself to be healed of ADD. You don't have to have ADD anymore. You can let that go. You can decide, return to sender to Satan because Jesus already took ADD onto the cross. I said to her, you were probably misdiagnosed. They don't even know what's going on in your life. You are healed, right? I began to pray with her. Now, I don't know where that leads or what's going to happen in her life, but I, I do know those principle is true. I believe that if she'll stand on the word of God, she can be healed of ADD, and that son can be set free forever, because when we take territory, our children get it for free. And I'm not saying don't have a plan B. You know, Paul said it this way. He said, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. He was like, whether I live or I die, I still win. What a great outlook on life. It's okay to have a plan B in life. I am not so arrogant as to believe that when I'm praying and believing God for something, that I maybe haven't missed God, that maybe God doesn't have something better for me. He might have a different house for you. He might, you might be praying and believing, that's the house I want. God's like, I got a different, I got a better house for you than the one you're believing me for. You Maybe you think that guy's supposed to be your spouse. He's got a different house, but he might have a different spouse for you too. You're like, well, I want, I want to marry him. That's the man for me, or that's the woman for me. That's the woman of my dreams. And God's like, that is not the woman of your dreams. <laughs> that is not the man of your dreams, right? You think he's cracked, my guy, but he's actually dog water. <laughs> so what, what happens? You're like, oh, my heart's broken because we broke up and he left. Listen, God just helped you. He, he helped you dodge a bullet. He got that wrong guy out of your life because he's bringing the right guy. Don't be heartbroken. Praise God because God's got a better plan B. Somebody say amen. And if you've been believing God for a job, have a plan B. If I don't get that job, God must just have a better job for me. If you're believing God for a house, if you don't get that house, have a plan B. God just got a better house for me. Whatever it is that isn't happening in your life, just know that God's got something even better in your life. That's his plan B, and we got to be willing to take his plan B. Come on and give the Lord some praise right now. Proverbs 19 and verse 21 says, There are many plans in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the Lord's counsel will stand. That's what stands. God's will, his counsel. Many plans in a man's heart. So we make plans, but here's the thing that we need to know. Paul said it this way. He said, don't think that I plan according to the flesh. He says this in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. He says, don't think that I plan according to the flesh. So we can plan according to the flesh or we can plan according to the spirit. When, when we sit down and look at plans, uh, of maybe a new location that we're opening up or even just as we were building this building, we all sit down around a table and, and out comes the plans and they get rolled out. And these are the plans. And as that gets rolled out, what do we do? We, our brains are in the game now. Okay, well, we've got to fix this, and then let's move that wall here, and how's this going to work, and I'm not sure we want that to be there, and you start to make adjustments to the plans. In the same way, when you're planning to win, when you're planning what's going to happen after the victory, you're opening up that page, and the Holy Spirit begins to have input. If you're not planning anything, then there's no input. See, I believe when, you, when, when the Bible talks about walking in the Spirit, it means that you're going into the unseen world, and you're opening it up, and you're saying, Lord, what do you want to do? What's your plan? And you might say, well, pastor, the Lord doesn't talk to me that way. I don't think the Holy Spirit, that's just for really spiritual people that they can hear. Absolutely not. Do not let the, lie, the enemy lie to you that way. You have the Spirit of God within you. And when you open up those plans, he brings thoughts and ideas. He brings visions and dreams. He's inputting into that plan. When you open up that to him, he's giving you victory and success. What is he doing? He's creating a sign, a beacon, a banner for the future. Somebody say amen. 
And so you just, so you just open those plans. Up. I know we're going to win, Lord. Now, what's the plan after we win? There's a man that goes to church here. He's one of our family members, he and his wife, beautiful people. And, and uh, he, he was telling me this story. And I, said, I asked him, well, could I share that story with the church? He said, absolutely. So I really got into the story and made sure I would do my best to try and get it right. And he said this. When I was very young and I was in high school, I really loved art. I was passionate about art. But my, my art teacher, my high school art teacher, actually used the phrase, your art is pathetic. He said, well, that was, you know, I didn't really pursue art much after that. I was still passionate about it. I got into some photography and things. And then I went on my life. And life did what life does. And now I'm much older. And, but during the COVID lockdown, I thought, hmm, I got nothing to do. Why don't I go back to my art? I'm passionate about painting. So he got all the supplies, but he said this to me. He said, I learned at Living Word. He's been going here for seven years now. I learned at Living Word, you guys say, dream big. Dream so big that God would have to do it because it's too big for you. So he said, I decided to have a dream that my art would be on display in the most prestigious galleries in the world. That they'd be in Paris, that they'd be in London, that they'd be in New York City, that that's my dream for my art. He said, I began to dream about the studio that I would have after I became a prestigious artist. After this thing happened in my life, that I would have an art studio outside of the corner of my house I'm using. I would have a professional art studio. He began to make plans and imagine what that art studio would look like and where it would be. Well, wouldn't you know it, just four weeks ago, his daughter had created an Instagram page for him and put some photos of, of his artwork up on Instagram that he got a phone call four weeks ago. And they said, this is such and such studio. It was a prestigious art studio gallery, a prestigious art gallery in New York City. And they said, our curators have been looking at your Instagram page. And we would like to feature you in New York City at our very next display. He thought, this is not happening. He sent that where he had to package up the art and send it to New York City. He said, two weeks later, a very luxurious fashion company called me up and they said we would like you to exclusively design art for us for our clothing line come on somebody then last week Fountain Hills Chamber of Commerce called him up and said we're doing our first ever art display in Fountain Hills the Chamber of Commerce is and we would like to feature you as our premier artist in Fountain Hills starting in April come on somebody just so you know, that's impossible. What happened in his life is impossible. That doesn't happen. Just started painting and within a year being featured in an art gallery in New York City. What was his key? He began to plan ahead. He said he would walk downtown Scottsdale and see the nice art galleries with the expensive paintings. And he would say to whoever he's with, my art will be displayed in places like this one day. What was he doing? He was planning for victory. And the same thing happens for us in our lives. Have a plan for when that promotion happens in your life. What's the, the raise is going to be extra money in your life? What are you going to do? Don't spend it. <laughs> Don't squander it. But have a plan for what you're going to do and invest. Start building that uh, investment portfolio. Maybe buy some real estate. Figure out what you're going to do to put some stuff in the ground so that God can begin to make you financially independent. Pay off some debts. Have a plan, too, for what those job responsibilities are. 
Are you ready for those job responsibilities when you get the promotion? Have you read books about what that job's going to be? Have you planned to be successful when you get the promotion? See what I'm saying? Look beyond the promotion and have a plan for what happens after the promotion. There's a story in Luke chapter 15. Jesus tells the story of the prodigal son. There was a boy and two, two brothers, and one of them had bad intentions, and he wanted his money because he wanted to go squander it on sinful things. So the father, who is merciful and graceful, is not worried about our intentions, but knows that as sons and daughters, I mean, he is worried about our intentions, but as sons and daughters, we're blessed. We're blessed. That's free. That boy takes his blessing out into the sinful world and he squanders it away. And of course, you can lose your blessing and you can lose all that God's given you. And that's easy to do. Just listen to the flesh. It'll train wreck your life. And after he was all done and everything was gone, he thought, well, it's, easy. it's better just to be a servant in my father's household. So he came back to his father's household said, Father, I've failed you. I've failed heaven. I've done an awful thing here. Please just let me be a servant. But the father had a different idea. The father said, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Watch this. It sounds like he had a plan. He said, get the ring. He said, give him some different sandals, right? He needs a new beginning. Pastor Kelly talked about that. And then he said this, and kill the fatted calf. Now, this part often gets overlooked in the story, but in Hebrew culture, the fatted calf was a special calf that would be designated. It would, was fed a very special diet, very expensive diet to help it become the best of the meat for the family. And they would fatten that thing up, and then they would save it for some kind of special occasion. I guess for us, it might be like Thanksgiving or Christmas or some kind of cool thing. But for them, maybe it would be like the servants would come to them and say, would you like to sacrifice the fatted calf for this feast? And the father said, no. Would you like to, to do the fatted calf for that festival coming up? father said, no. I'm saving that for a special occasion. You see, I believe the father had a plan. That's the calf that's going to get sacrificed when my son finally comes home. He was ready when that son, he was expecting that victory, and he saw beyond the victory, not just that his son was coming home, but we're going to have a big party when he comes home. And somebody has some prodigals out there, or you have a dream that hasn't happened yet, or you've been believing God for a promise that hasn't happened yet. And so what I'm saying is, is have a plan for what happens after. The party you're going to have, the huge celebration when your child comes back to God. When the promotion comes through, when that debt gets wiped off, when you no longer have to take pills for allergies, when you no longer have to deal with the diagnosis and the cancer treatments, what's your plan of what you're going to do when the pain leaves your body, when your marriage is restored, when life is turned around, when you get that house you've been praying for, when you sell the house for way too much money, what's your plan for when God turns your world around, when the Praise God, you could be seated. I would decree over you, I declare over everybody here, Father, that you're moving mountains, Lord, that you're marking out a plan for us, a banner, a beacon that's leading us through the battle and into victory. 
I thank you, Father God, that you are moving on your people. Lord, that you're, as they open their plans, you're speaking clearly and they know exactly what to do. And I declare that those promises are manifesting and that this will be a sign to you that the Lord has done this thing in your life, that you will see your plans come to pass in the name of Jesus. And if you receive it, shout out, I believe it. Well, thanks for watching. And if you don't know what eternity looks like for you, you can have your eternity secured by just putting your faith in Jesus Christ. And if you're ready to step into a new life and away from an old life, then pray this prayer with me. Dear Father God, forgive me of all sin. And Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you're the Son of God who died for sin and rose from the dead. Be my Lord and my Savior in Jesus' name. Amen. If you said that prayer for the first time, you just stepped into eternal life. Get involved in a good Bible-believing church. God bless you.